0: This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of
1: Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of September 28th, 2015, and this is Michael Howey welcoming you to episode 246 of Defender Radio. We're officially four weeks out from the election today, and the excitement is getting... Well, it's pretty much the same as it was. But we're excited here at the Fur Bears because MLA for Vancouver West End, Spencer Chandra Herbert, recently sat down with our Executive Director, Leslie Fox, to talk about issues facing fur-bearing animals in B.C. As the official opposition's critic to the Minister of the Environment, Chandra Herbert has his finger on the pulse of many subjects surrounding the environment and wildlife in British Columbia. And that made him the perfect person to join Defender Radio and talk about such issues, as well as the upcoming federal election. Why the environment should be top of mind for every Canadian. And why we need to get up and do something about it. I, I was uh, thinking a good place to start might be... Um what got you involved in politics? When when I was doing my bit of research, uh, I saw that you were involved both um, early on in your career in the LBGT community as well as the environmental uh, with, with um, the Vancouver yeah. Park Board. So what kind of propelled you into this world?
0: I guess my background, I, I've been a lifelong kind of volunteer community activist. I think I wrote my first letter to a politician at the age of 10 uh, calling for help for dolphins uh, that were getting caught up in nets uh, to uh, to capture uh, tuna. And so saying, you know, we can't do this kind of fishing anymore. And I think they published it in a local paper as well. And I kind of, so I've been always fiercely interested in, in the environment and social justice, uh, equality, helping people and helping the, the community. And, So I guess I I first ran for the Vancouver Park Board, which we have an elected park board here in Vancouver. When you vote for city council, you also vote for your park board, uh, and was elected at the age of 24, um, which surprised a lot of people, including myself. Um, uh, But really, what I wanted to do um, was, in that case, stronger voice for uh, climate action to to fight climate change, uh, push the park board to be more accessible to lower-income folks, be, uh, make sure that kids uh, could afford to actually use their community centers. Um, and, you know, those were two issues. Um, you know, I, but really, I had more arts and uh, community involvement in parks was another area. Consultation and so on. So I ran. Then uh, you know, I'd always been on the outside looking in. You know, the kind of guy that criticized political decisions. And uh, but uh, I'd been producing art in parks, and so I ran. Managed to get elected. Uh, loved it. Um, for three years, I served on the park board, and during that period, I noticed uh, homelessness had shot through the roof. Our provincial government was kind of stalling around climate change uh, issues. Uh, we were seeing uh, many renters in my community evicted, and so I said, "All right, I got to do something about it. I can't just be the guy that complains and then does nothing about it." Uh, and so I ran, and uh, after much encouragement, and uh, and I won again. So I've been an MLA now for s- about seven years. Um, and uh, I'm loving it. You know, what could be better than working with your neighbors to help them achieve their dreams, uh, to make some change?
1: And your position right now in the uh, the opposition is as the critic to the environment. What What's that experience really been like?
0: Uh, for sure, yeah. Um, prior to this, I was the tourism, arts, heritage, uh, gaming, uh, liquor uh, infrastructure uh, to an extent <laughs> critic now i'm uh the environment they say environment critic i prefer environment advocate because you know mm. we've got enough folks out there uh we're making it difficult for our environment to thrive uh, i want to actually help uh have clean air water and land and healthy landscapes for you know wildlife and so on really it's uh it's interesting it's it's a tough position because uh in BC, we probably have more environmental non-governmental organizations than most anywhere else in, in Canada because we we do value it so much. Our our provincial slogan, after all, is you know, uh, splendor without diminishment. The idea that uh, we live in such a place of natural bounty, we actually have to appreciate it, take care of it, so that it's there for the future. But it's great because people care so much. Uh, I have more than a few people offering advice and opinions and suggestions on ways that we could improve. Uh, how we treat this place we call home
1: well and i think that it that maybe very much is is one of the reasons why we're talking today is this interesting style of leadership we're seeing from the uh the the liberal party out there in bc where they don't listen to anyone unless they give them money um it's actually very similar to my ex-wife's leadership style but why is it i mean in just a very basic straightforward way that all of the NGOs, the non-profits, the advocates, are very much being dismissed. Uh, I, I think a great example of that is, is the Miley Cyrus incidents. Uh, a young woman comes and says, hey, I just spoke, spoke with scientists, this doesn't make sense. And, and she is not only dismissed, but insulted in the process.
0: Yeah, no, it's really unfortunate. You know, our premier Christy Clark here, she seems to believe that uh, attacking people personally rather than dealing with the substance of issues is the way to go. I completely disagree and think, you know, let's have an intelligent government that uh, while you may disagree with it, at least you have an understanding where it's going. And I, I think it's uh, it's kind of like what Stephen Harper does where trying to appeal to the basest instincts of people of, you know, the bullies in, inside of people, uh, fear and so on to divide rather than to unite for change is is the style and, uh, in, in terms of the environment, um, this government seems to believe that, uh, well, you can lay off 30% of our scientists, you can cut environmental protections, you can do all sorts of things that damage our future. And if anybody raises a concern, just attack them and say that they're anti-jobs, say that they don't care about uh, the economy, or just make fun of what they wear, or, uh, you know, and, and for them, they think that works. Uh, you know, they, For me, I just go, no, that's wrong because just as there's a fiscal debt deficit that you can have with balanced budgets or not, um, I think there's an environmental one and a social one too. Um, You know, if you cut down all the trees, if you dig everything up, if you blast uh, the atmosphere with climate change, we all pay that cost. Um, Whether or not we want to admit it, uh, this government seems to believe just kick the problem down the road. Uh, and then make fun of people who point out that that's pretty short-sighted and is going to lead to devastation. Um, you know, one example in BC uh, used to be huge forestry industry here, so lots of you know, so logging, that kind of thing. Um, uh, climate change got worse. Uh, many of those forests got devastated by pine beetle, which a little bug that normally would be frozen during the winter, but our winters aren't as cold as they used to be. It mm-hmm. uh, went through and has devastated the pine forests in much of the province. So, uh, and that's led to billions of dollars in losses to the economy, to the forestry industry, and tons of job losses, So, as well as loss of habitat, because many of these areas, I'm told, uh, great moose habitat, for example, you don't see them there so much anymore because it's pretty moonscape in, in some of those areas. Uh, and that's a real problem because, again, short-sightedness. We thought we could pump all the pollution to the atmosphere. It would never affect us. Well, it's costing us now,
1: isn't it? Yeah, and that, that is a very good uh, cause and effect uh, example. And that's something that uh, at the, the Union of BC Municipalities Conference, that was this week uh, or last week when this airs on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. And there, there were two big things uh, talked about, one of which I, I want to bring up. And that was the Environmental Bill of Rights, Um now, when I read the language of this, I, I, I and I look at it with the cynicism of a former journalist. It it feels reactionary to me, based on some of the recent policies, both federal and provincial, in the last several months, uh, including pipelines and, and uh, things like that. Uh, what was your reaction to seeing this this request by the bulk of municipalities across the province?
0: Yeah, what we've seen is that, you know, I think the bulk of municipalities supported the idea of an environmental bill of rights, basically saying that you as a citizen have the right to clean, healthy air, water and land. And if your government or a corporation uh, is acting in such a way that uh, it would damage that, it would pollute a river or it would make your air unbreathable, you have the right as a citizen to stand up and say, wait a second, this is owned by all of us. This is a common uh, wealth of the world you can't destroy it for the future and, and have legal uh, recourse to do something about it. It's, uh, most nations in this world, uh, in their constitutions, include some language around the right to a healthy environment. Um, Canada doesn't. Uh, and so what they're trying to do is say, all right provincial governments, you can put such a law in place. Maybe down the road we can convince the federal government and all provinces to unite and put it into the constitution. But uh, you know, for now, here's what you can do and Similar legislation um, uh, exists in Ontario, I believe Quebec as well. Um, uh, many of the United States uh, they're looking at this too. Uh, and really, what it is is it's about citizen empowerment. Um, you know, I don't think a, a short-sighted government should have the right to damage a river forever uh, or to make it so a certain species goes extinct forever. Uh, you know, it's it's a commonwealth which should be shared by all of us and protected by all of us. And just because you have got a premier or prime minister that doesn't care and is going to appeal to base short-term instincts, you know, we need it, this is a bit of a protection that could exist to say, wait a second, no, you don't have that right you've got to think long term
1: and speaking of protection that was one of the other things brought up at the conference i don't know if a resolution was passed Um, if it was it has not yet been uploaded online Um, but talking about the conservation officer situation um, and the, the, the basic on that is that the numbers may not have dropped drastically in terms of conservation officers but all of the support staff have dropped drastically, which means the conservation officers are now sitting behind desks all day. Um,
0: That's true. It, it's a real issue. And um, you know, and I, I know it exists across Canada uh, in BC. It's become a real issue, a real problem when uh, conservation officers, the people who are supposed to help stop pollution, help stop poaching, um, when they're being pushed to sit behind desks, not have the time to actually get out in the field. But also, you know, B.C. is a big province. We've had a number of conservation officers laid off over time. We've also had more responsibilities piled onto the existing officers. So, you know, in the northwest part of our province, which is an area that, you know, likely the size of France or something like that. Um, no, maybe not that big, but close to it. Anyways, uh, maybe in the U.K., let's say, uh, you know, uh, if you only got one officer or two officers for an area that size, the likelihood that they're going to be able to do their jobs um, and actually crack down on those that are polluting and poaching, pretty pretty slim. And so you know they get lots of calls. The number of complaints have shot through the roof. Uh, yet they're not able to respond uh, again. And what kind of message does that send? That you can in many parts of the province, it seems, um, pollute or poach with impunity. Um, How is that being serious about environmental laws? Uh, because there is a cost, yet again. If you pollute, there is a cost, and for the government not to take it seriously, again, just pushes that price, pushes that cost onto the rest of us, when really the person doing the pollution should have to pay the price.
1: One would certainly hope that uh, justice would work in such a way. Unfortunately, these days, it's uh, seeming few and far between when those who cause the problems end up being ultimately responsible for them. Um, And speaking of that, I... I know you met with our executive director Leslie Fox recently and talked a bit about trapping in British Columbia, uh, uh, the use of leg hold trap, the the incredibly weak regulations, the lack of conservation officers that play into that.
0: Yeah, you know, and I think you know what Leslie uh, shared with me, and I, I certainly uh, have looked, and I'm, I'm hearing more of this is, you know, folks using leg hold traps even in urban centers, um, and with the family cat or the family dog getting trapped in these things is as folks have said, oh, well, I want to get that raccoon or I want to get that skunk. Well, come on, you know, how responsible is that? Like, that's just, you know, it, the risk to the public, the risk to, it's just not uh, supportable. I, I just don't, I don't get why the province in BC anyways, continues to resist to do anything about it, uh, to to take a more humane approach. Um, you know, we've got lots of raccoons and skunks in this neighborhood where I live uh, and, What what I'd like to see is a bigger focus on uh, of us going. Okay, you can't feed these things. You can't feed wild animals uh, because we're. You know, this is where the problems seem to come and seem to occur in in greater frequencies these days. Is somebody gets bit by a raccoon? Well, why did they get bit? Well, they were trying to feed the thing. Uh, You know, we've got to grow up here and and realize that a wild animal is a wild animal. Uh, You leave it alone. You don't feed it. You don't bother it. Let it go about its business. In the end, you know, Vancouver, 150 years ago, we had deer, wild animals, bears, etc., running everywhere. Uh, we've moved into their territory and uh, need to recognize that uh, we've got to work together rather than uh, might makes right, and you know, we're the boss and get out.
1: Well, that very much seems to be the attitude of many residents. Um, But despite this, there has been virtually no public movement in two years. Uh, Is this simply because the province, uh, and specifically the the leadership in these positions, uh, Steve Thompson would be the the Minister of Forest Lands and Natural Resources, uh, gets pressure from from the lobby groups? Uh, And and again, not NGOs, but straight-out lobby groups, who want to continue exploiting animals in this way?
0: I really couldn't say. I'm not sure. But I do know that uh, you know, uh, the public has a huge role to play here. If you want to get change, you need to be involved. And I think many people don't know about these issues, are, are not involved. Uh, and I think uh, in that case, um, it, for many politicians, it's easily ignored. And so, as with any issue, I think the more that people are able to Share, share the word about what they're doing, whether or not it be on social media, whether or not it be in the local paper, uh, the better. Uh, and to encourage others to get involved, because you know if it's just one person thing, uh, you shouldn't do this. It makes it, you know it's easier to ignore. But consistent, persistent action um, works. Uh, that's the only way that I think we will make change. And uh, on something like this, you'd think you would have got uh, action earlier, especially since. Municipalities in BC have asked the government for for help on this. But, you know, again, it's unfortunate that it seems the government that's elected by the people for the people uh, really in this province doesn't seem to be paying much attention to them.
1: We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors.
0: You're listening to Defender Radio.
1: I am Brad Gates, owner of Gates Wildlife Control. Do you have raccoons or squirrels living in your attic? Did you know that the hole in your roof is letting water in, your insulation is being ruined and they could be chewing on your electrical wiring? Protect your biggest investment. We will come to your house and provide you with a no obligation free estimate. Please visit our website at GatesWildlifeControl.com or dial 416-750-9453.
0: Bearsmart.com is the most comprehensive resource on the web for all things bear. At Bearsmart.com, we work hard to ensure people and bears safely and respectfully coexist. Join us as we give bears a voice at Bearsmart.com. Have you ever heard a coyote sing? Did you know that coyotes are also called North America's song dogs? They communicate through unique howls, yips, and barks. At Coyote Watch Canada, we're committed to fostering peaceful coexistence for communities and their wildlife neighbours by building compassionate wildlife communities, one community at a time. Please visit us at CoyoteWatchCanada.com for more information and tips about this amazing Keystone species. Millions of animals are killed for their fur each year in Canada. You can help stop the cruelty. Join the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals today and be the voice for those who can't speak for themselves. Find out more at furbearerdefenders.com. This is Defender Radio.
1: We're back with more from MLA for Vancouver West End, Spencer Chandra Herbert. I'd love to do a little kind of Q&A about a few things. because it, we hear a lot from people uh, who say, I don't want to vote, or why am I doing this? Why am I trying to write a letter? It doesn't work, and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I, I was wondering, one of the questions we get a lot is if someone writes a letter to their their MLA or to the, the ministry, does that letter disappear? Uh, that's something people want to know what happens so if they write a letter to to you or to the the minister of environment and say hey i think abc is terrible and they'd like you to do xyz what happens to that letter
0: well you know it depends on who they're writing to you know i know for myself personally we get emails we get letters in some cases still faxes uh facebook messages tweets and so on i you know that stuff i i read very closely you know if it's in particular i you know, if it's a constituent, if a neighbor, somebody like that, of course they're the ones that have elected me. They're the ones that I'm so, or you know, that I'm supposed to represent. So I, I pay particular attention to constituents because they're the ones that pay my salary. Uh, but really, from anywhere, if they they write a letter about something specific that I can be involved in or need information on, uh, I look very closely at that and try to get back to them as quickly as possible. Now, that's not always possible because sometimes you get hundreds of emails a day, so it, it can be a challenge. For ministers, uh, for mayors, uh, those kinds of folks, um, you would hope they would read them, but you know, for a minister, they may get a million emails or a thousand emails on the same subject, so they may not read each specifically. Their staff, if they're any good, will largely collate, pull the information together, say, you know, this is what we're hearing on this issue. What do you think? You know, can we make some movement? And yeah, sometimes that's where it stops. Maybe the the letter, the campaign, is something the government has no interest in. It doesn't care about. Uh, their supporters don't care about. So you know Stephen Harper getting emails from people saying you should fight climate change. He doesn't care about that. Uh, his base he feels doesn't care about climate change. Uh, I think they're wrong because you know most folks would, when given some good thought, would care very much about it because of its impact on our future but in his case Stephen Harper may just say forget it we don't care we'll send back a note saying of course we care about climate change but then do nothing about it. Um, So I think it is worthwhile to write, to call, to try and get meetings and that kind of thing because in the end your elected leader is supposed to try and represent you or at least tell you if they disagree with you and then you can make your choice in the next election whether or not you want somebody else because you know Clicktivism, where is what I call when people are on Facebook and they they hit a like. You know, we should do X. Well, I like that, so I'm gonna click the like. That may actually go nowhere at all. You know, your friends see, oh, you all like doing this thing. But I sometimes I'll ask the folks, I'll say, well, have you actually talked to anybody who could actually make that change? Oh, well, no. I, I thought somebody else would. Well, it doesn't. It might make you feel good, but it made no real difference. Um, The people that can make the differences in the end are the elected leadership. Um, And that's where you have to get involved. Because if you don't and you complain, you're no better than somebody who doesn't care and doesn't do anything either.
1: Well, and that's something I find uh, uh, interesting. We we always are very clear. Um, It's not just email Minister Steve Thompson or Premier Christy Clark and say, we don't like you. It's Mm -hmm. email them and copy your MLA. Yes. Uh, And is that something that impacts how you view? I mean, you you are very clearly a left-leaning, young, intelligent man, and you are very clear on what some of your priorities are going to be. I mean, it's it's right here in your biography. It's here in your past. Um, But if you start hearing from a lot of people saying, you know, the way you're dealing with this environmental issue I don't think is right, is that going to influence you?
0: Uh, It will, you know, because... As with anything, if people point out, well, you could do it this way instead of this way, I take that very seriously because I know I have no monopoly on the truth. I don't know everything. I know far from most things. So if I can get advice from others who have knowledge, who can approach it, I would hope in a, in a caring and open manner. You know, what's challenging is sometimes people get really frustrated because they haven't seen change and then they decide to write their politician and they tell them that they're a jerk and... uh I hate you, I'm never voting for you unless you do this. Well, that's not exactly a great way to make an introduction. Uh, You know, none of us would like that if that's what we came home to from a neighbor wanting us to, you know, turn down the sound or whatever the case may be. It would be, you know, it's it's much better at least to have a respectful dialogue. And I can understand that's challenging sometimes when emotions get involved, but you'll get a better response. The other thing I would suggest is that... um, you know, there's all sorts of groups that will say, click this button to send an, a letter, an email to your MLA on X, Y, or Z. Well, it does get sent. It does come in. But if it took you two seconds to do it, um, the response on the MLA side or the government side might be, well, if they only cared enough to just click on a button, they probably don't care that much about the issue. Whereas if they actually took the time to write an email themselves about why they cared on an issue or a letter themselves, uh, that's going to get m- more weight to it because you can see the person cared enough to spend some time, rather than I saw something on Facebook that bothered me, so I clicked send and never thought about it again. Uh, you know, and persistence is important. Um, if it's just a flash in the pan, you know, hey, you guys should do something about this, and then you never hear from anybody again on that. Again, how much did people really care about the issue uh, versus you know it was just an easy thing to send off?
1: So, yeah, I think that's great advice. uh, uh, Actually, and that's uh, we we have used form letters in the past, uh, the literal click and send, and we actually shut down the city of Windsor's email system by accident by doing (laughs) that. Um, So they ended up just blocking. All those emails. Oh, right. Um, because there were so many of them coming in. And now we typically provide a sample letter mm-hmm. as well as that goes with our blog and sort of all of the information you might need to write a letter. Here's where you're going to find the contact information for the people you need. Yeah. Go. Yeah. But then we have people saying, well, why don't you just make an online petition?
0: Right. You know, and, you know, I guess the easier it is for you to do, chances are the less likely it is people will pay a lot of attention which is kind of, you know, just as if I sent you a million form letters on an issue about how great a government was or how great a policy was and never engaged with you when you said, well, what about this? Or I have a question about this. Um, you might take me a little less seriously. And so, you know, I try and actually call a constituent back when they have a concern or try and book a meeting where possible. It's just a little bit more personal. You generally get better information that way. And you can tease out, you know, what, what the issue really is, uh, whereas a, you know, a form letter can, is very impersonal, um, and may not actually help communicate what people want, uh, in the end, you know, because it's not always possible to do exactly what somebody demands of you, but maybe you have a different solution which comes to the same result, um, and, you know, and I, I guess that's where dialogue is so important.
1: In the political system right now uh, um, and I've got sort of two final questions for you both of which are current election related um, one of the things we're hearing a lot of people say is that while some of the parties may have an environmental platform none of them support wildlife or animal rights or anything like that um, now how how do we tell people and, and again my personal view is that you kind of have to pick the person who is most willing to listen. Um, so while, you know, my candidates in, in my writing here in Hamilton may not be, you know, into animal rights or, or veganism or the trapping issue or any of these other things that are important to me personally, this candidate I know is the one who maybe believes more in proportional representation or who believes more in constituency-based leadership. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it is a tough one. You, you know, as with anything, a representative is going to represent you on some stuff, and you may disagree with them on a whole bunch of other things. Uh, I, you know, it's, I'd say look to the person. I think the person is important. Are they a genuine person, or are they just going to be a party stooge that just does whatever, right? You know, I think it's important that they have some values. It'd be important that they have, uh, a, a demonstrated track record of actually doing stuff, you know. One thing that always gets me is when somebody says, okay, I've done X, Y, and Z for such a long time. Now it's finally time to give back. You know, I'd like to see somebody who gives back to their community, who's been involved in their community in a range of ways for a long time, not just at election time. And, you know, proportional representation. If you want to vote for somebody who's going to help bring in a system that would allow us to have more, uh, you know, the equal proportion of your vote actually counts. Then that would be the issue I'd go with. Um, but also, I think it's important to look at the party that they're running with, if they're running with a party at all, and go, well, what is their track record on these issues? Uh, have they just found religion on environment and kind of gone, okay, now we care because it's election time and we've got to say we care? Uh, or is it something that, uh, you know, they actually have put forward legislation? Uh, uh, in Parliament uh, to do something like to have the rights to a healthy environment. Just hearkening back to what we were discussing earlier, as I know Linda Duncan did with the NDP in uh, at Edmonton. She brought forward legislation to say, you know, these are your rights. Um, of course, the federal conservatives didn't give a damn about it, didn't pay any attention to it. But, you know, again, a track record of being involved, uh, not just at election time, is really important.
1: And finally, speaking of election time, Getting out and voting, this is something that I think has divided a lot of groups uh, of people. Is this, there is no right decision, I'm going to protest the process and not vote, or I can't support any of these parties. Um, Particularly when we we have a couple of major issues, I think in this election, the last one federally at least, it's really kind of come down to economic policy, and Sort of a minor issue even though there are many many other things that are much more important Those end up being kind of the the decision makers for a lot of the electorates um, so w- when we Have people who are saying I'm not going to vote because I don't believe in this or I don't believe in these people What's the best way to try and talk them out of that mentality? <laughs> and know, into voting
0: yeah, you know, I guess I would say is that if you're going to make perfect the enemy of the good and say well i can only vote for what's perfect for me well then you should run in the election and vote for yourself uh if you believe that nobody could possibly represent anything that you care about um, well then you should run yourself and vote for yourself because you know in a community you're not always going to get what you want you're not going to get everything you want in a party in a person um So, you know, I'd say vote for the person that you think best aligns with your values who has the closest connection to it. Because in the end, if you don't vote and you haven't indicated an interest in any party, uh, why is any party going to indicate any interest in you? Um, Why is any politician going to? Because you've not participated, you're not involved, and you're basically giving power, your power away, to somebody else to make your decision. So, you know, for a young person, uh, I ask, well, do you think uh, your grandparents should decide everything for you in your life? Because if you don't, then you got to vote. But if you don't mind if your grandparents tell you how you should live, what you should dress uh, like, uh, what you should do, um, and don't really care about what you have to say, then don't vote. Let everybody else decide your future, and then you can't really complain either. Now, I do have a problem when people say voting is the most important thing. Um, I think voting is one of the most important things. but. No more important than being involved day-to-day in your community uh, in pushing those people elected because a democracy, in my view, doesn't take place only every four years. It should be a daily activity. Um, It should be something that we're always engaged in um, and that your elected representative doesn't get that check from you. Okay, boom, you're elected. Now I don't have to pay attention to you anymore. It should be an ongoing dialogue, an ongoing conversation. That's how I think we build better policy. That's how we actually engage and involve people. It um, doesn't work so well right now. The electoral system is stacked in favor of establishment uh, thinking in many ways, and you know the system in the legislature or parliaments are, are often set up in an adversarial way, which doesn't lead to collaboration or the best decisions. But you know, if we were to say, well, it's not quite what I want, so I'm just not going to do anything, well, then you're embracing the existing system. Uh, you're saying that the system is you know, basically okay because you're not going to do anything to change it. Um, and I would think that most people who don't like the status quo would probably actually want to be involved in changing it uh, rather than just
1: sitting on the sidelines and complaining. To learn more about Spencer's work or get in touch with his office, visit spencersandraherbert.ca or look him up on Facebook or Twitter. That's the show for this week, folks. I'd like to thank Spencer for sharing his time with us, as well as Brad Gates of AAA Gates Wildlife Control for his ongoing support. Until next time, this is Michael Howey for Defender Radio reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.